taken x-rays of his body and the doctor was a cancer doctor and um, he was diagnosed with having cancer. And he came to church that night and um, he had the church pray. And the church prayed and God moved. Went back to the doctor. Doctor said, you know, I, I, I've, I've been a cancer doctor for a while and I know what cancer looks like. And he said, you had cancer, but you don't have it now. God is faithful. God is so faithful that when He says that He's going to do, He's going to do it. You can count on God's Word that it shall not fall to the ground void, but it will accomplish that it is set out to do. While I'm talking, if you have, if you have your Bibles uh, and turn to uh, Matthew, the uh, 25th chapter, I'm going to be reading... Uh, verses 1 through 13. This, is, this lesson has been a challenge for me. And uh, I've thought of so many different things. When I was a young man in my 20s, uh, I went to, it wasn't long after I was saved, I went to a conference by, that was held by a man by the name of uh, Brother Hurd. And Brother Hurd, back in the early 80s, was going around from church to church to church. And he was talking about why God would come back at the beginning of 1980. And the interesting thing was, you know, a lot of people, um, he, he had, uh, what do you call it, uh, a lot of pictures. He had a lot of information. He was talking about all the different things that were taking place. And, and he scared some people. And some people got their lives right and their hearts right. And and, and the funny thing was that even some people who had planned to have a long-term engagement actually got married that, that month. <laughs> well, guess what? He didn't come back. <laughs> and that was some 30 years ago. But uh, anyway, this morning I'm, I'm going to talk about the end, that Christ will return. If you've got your Bibles, we're starting with Matthew one, uh, chapter 25, verse 1. It says, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And the five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye, now, go ye out to meet him. Then all those, those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your, of your oil, for our oil lamp, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. 
I want to concentrate on verse 44. It says this, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessings upon this time together. In Jesus' name, I ask that you would bind every deceptive spirit, every lying spirit, every demonic spirit, and we command them to go in Jesus' name. And we release your spirit into this place, Lord. We release your spirit to touch the hearts of many. Lord, I invite your presence to speak, Lord, through this word and through your word and through your preacher. And Lord, I ask that you would bless each one here today, Lord, that you would touch their hearts with the word of God. Lord, we ask that you would be with us in all that we do today. We ask these things in the loving name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. The end time, one of the most scariest things that man looks at. When you stand upon the threshold of death, you don't know what happens beyond that place because nobody has come back and said, well, they got 72 virgins there and I'm going and I'm, we're having a good time and I wish you were here. Nobody's done that. I mean, we don't even have the jihadists who think that they can give their lives in such an extreme, extreme measure, um, come back and say that, yeah, it's, we're having a good time. Join us. Nobody knows what's on the other side. We have the, uh, the people who think that they have died and come back. You know, I, I don't put much stock in that. In fact, I put no stock in that. Um, the Scripture says in uh, Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and then after that, the judgment. So people who say that they've gone to hell or they've gone to heaven and they've experienced all these uh, beautiful things or all these horrific things, I, I, I really I don't put much stock in. Because God's Word says... You're not coming back. God doesn't want us to use what they call necromancers, people who, who mess around with the dead, because Satan comes back as an angel of light and is easily able to deceive many. In fact, uh, our whole society is being deceived by the works of Satan. He is the prince in the power of this air, and we know that he controls many things. This morning, as... I, uh, I approach, or as I attempt to show you some of this, that uh, the end time is approaching, I hope that somehow I can sh uh, show you that, you know, we, sh we shouldn't be slack in thinking that God will never come back. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And He has made several promises to us that we can count on. Now, we can fall asleep and say, well, I've got time. God, God's not going to come back yet. One of, the, one of the problems that we have in life is that we, we think that we will perpetually live forever. The young people, people in their 20s, people in their 30s think, I've, I've still got it going on. I've I still got plenty of life ahead of me. I can, I can do what I want. I can live the way I want. No problems. But we never know when our lives will be cut short. There are some who believe that life will go on and on and on, that it will never change. That, that life will continually be the same. Sunshine, night, rain, snow, sleet, spring, summer, harvest. You know, that life is in a, in a continual cycle that it will never change. But I'm here to tell you 
that that will not always be true. In fact, in Second Peter, and, and, and brother, you won't have this, but in Second Peter 3 and 4 says, Where is His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Where is He? You told me for years and years and generations and generations, God is coming back. But where is He? I've waited. I, I, I give my heart. Where is He? God's not coming back. God's not going to return. And if He is, it'll be after my lifetime. I've got plenty of time to make my life right. One of the reasons for this may be also found in Matthew 13 and 15. It says this, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted and I should heal them. There's a time and a place where people, after living life so long and experience the day ins and the days, days out of routines, they start to become calloused. It's easy to become calloused. A child who, who is constantly told, if you do that one more time, I'm going to whip your backside. And, and so the child, you know, he, he says, okay, and he does it again. You do that one more time, and it goes on, and it, that child turns a deaf ear. But when you say, you do that one more time, and I'm going to whip you, and that child does it, that's when you move into action. That's when the child will pay attention. See, you, 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 you can say, you know, Christ is coming back, and Christ is coming back, and Christ is coming back. No, Christ isn't coming back, because He hasn't. I'm, I'm 40 years old, or I'm, I'm 60 years old, and he's still not back. Why should I pay attention? I've heard these things all along, all, all my life, you know, and, and he's still not back. But the, one of the things that I want to, want to get across to you this morning is that the Word of God is forever settled. It's going to happen. They said the same thing when Noah was building a boat. When Noah was, was, was building those timbers... We've never seen rain. How is God going to flood the earth? I, I, it wasn't even a hundred years. For, for, for years and years and years, Noah preached that God was going to bring judgment and nobody listened. It didn't take 125 years to build that ark. In fact, it took less than 90. And Scripture proves that out. However, in all his preaching in those 90 plus years, only eight people were saved, just his family. And uh, we, can ha we can have the same attitude. We, we can have the same, same ideas or the same, uh, come to the same conclusion as the world does. Well, Christ ain't coming back. I'm just doing this because my wife is making me. Or I'm just doing that because my children need to come to church and they need to learn a little bit about God or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just here because... You know, maybe this is the right thing to do. And I'm just here because, well, I'm almost 60 and I've got to hedge my bets. No. No, you don't have to do those things because of that. But you can count on the Word of God that He is coming back. You see, God has warned us time and time again that He is going to be here. Now, in, there are those who think that, okay, well, I will serve God, but... 
I want to sow a few wild oats. I want to go out and I want to experience some things in life. I want to go out and I want to taste of some of the pleasures that the world has to offer and then I will come back. There are those who say that, um, you know, I'll wait until I am in my 30s before I serve God. And then there, will say, there are some who say, well, it's just too hard. The church has too many standards. They have too many things that they want you to do and not do. and They, uh, they really just want my money. And they just are after a little bit of what I do to, to earn a living. No, you can, you can keep your money if that's what you think that it's all about. In Jeremiah 12 and 5, it says this, If thou hast run with a footman, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou be counted with the horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? If you can't keep pace right now serving God... How are you going to keep pace when things really get intense? How are you going to serve God when, when, when real persecution comes to America? You see, persecution is already here in, 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 in different forms. One form is just recently, within the last six months, they passed, they, they passed a hate crimes bill that will make it uh, a crime to speak against uh, certain lifestyles homosexuality, gay lifestyle. And, and, and other, you can't, you can't speak against other religions. See, the, 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 the door has been set. Right now, it's, it's okay to burn a Bible. It's okay to walk upon the American flag. But let's not do anything with uh, other faiths' books. Now, let's understand that I, I, I don't condone what this guy was doing down in Florida. I don't care that he, I don't like the fact that he wanted to do that. But America has swung 180 degrees, and, and now Christianity is like the, uh, the, the VFW. You can go and live the way you want to, come to church on Sunday, and by Monday you're okay. You can do what you want to, repent of your sins on Sunday, and you can go out and do whatever you want to later. No. It's. The church is not just another club. It's not just another place to congregate to have a good time. The church is a place where we hear the Word of God and is able to bring conviction to our souls that we may live a holy life. For Scripture says that without holiness, no man shall see God. But we have, we have, we have come to an America treated the Christian faith with disdain. We have said that it, it doesn't matter so much what you say about the Christian faith, just be careful how you speak about other faiths. Don't trample upon the Muslim faith. See, this morning as I attempt, uh, attempt to teach this, this apocalypse of our time, or this revelation of our time, I know that I probably will not finish because I didn't even know that, that the children were coming up. But I hope to bring some kind of understanding and relations to the time that we are in and the place where the second coming of Christ is going to happen. You see, in Mark 13 and 12, it says, The day, but of that day, and of that hour no man knoweth. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the, fa neither the Son, but the Father knoweth. 
Even though we may not know the day or the hour, we do know that God has left us clues. Now, we, we can ignore those clues, and many people have ignored those clues. Oh, and, and we can just go on and living life thinking that we can make everything right later. Or we can pay attention. You know, we have never lived in a time like we do today. Never in the history of man can you and I be tracked like we are being tracked today. Whether you use a credit card, whether you use a, any kind of bank card, whether you use your, your checking account, whether you use uh, your, your driver's license, all those things are being tracked. I mean, you can't even go, to, you can't even go cash your check today without having to put down your, your, your uh, uh, Social Security number. They're tracking everything you do. In fact, the new driver's license, the, the new identification card, will go into a master database of all those who are driving in all over America, and you will have to carry that card with you wherever you go as a form of identification that you are an American citizen. It's not hard in today's society for us to be tracked. It's not hard for us to, to, to be found out where we're hiding. We're not just a group of people hiding in the millions of millions of other people. The government can track you wherever you're at. So never think that, that you, you can get away with something because Uncle Sam or Big Brother can track you very quickly and very easily. They know your job. What did we just do just recently? We had a census. And some of those, those people, some people on these censuses, were asked some pretty revealing questions. How many people drive in your car? How many people live in your house? How many people uh, work in your, in your home? Are you a two-parent home? Are you a double or a, a two, two people just living together? Are you Spanish? Are you Indian? Are you, and it just went on and on and on. The government is, is collecting information for, for their, their, their computers because the more information that they have, the easier it is to be tracked. It is interesting that scholars say that only half of the prophecies dealing that are in the Bible that are in the Bible are only are already fulfilled. So that means that the half that are left are yet to be fulfilled. And with exact precision, God foretold the events surrounding the, the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He foretold the scattering and the regathering of the nation of Israel and of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You see, God will never abandon His church to the world. God has never abandoned His people to the world. God has not left you and He has not left me out there walking around not knowing where we are. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost... God knows where you're at. Wherever you are in this world, God knows who you are. The Scripture says that the very hairs of your head are numbered. And mine shrinks every day. But you see, God has never left us an, an, an avenue, or God has never left us without an avenue of, of escape. God has never abandoned the idea that He wants to see just just one more pe person saved. God, the Scripture says, God wishes that no man would perish. He prepares a way for each man to escape the coming judgments. But, but not just the coming judgment. God wants people to come and be saved to have fellowship with Him. He's not just wanting to deliver people from judgments, 
but He wants a relationship that says, I love you, God. And He is always reaching for those types of people. In Matthew 34, or excuse me, Matthew 24, 34 and 35, it says this, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The very fact that Jesus has already fulfilled the, the Scriptures that were spoken about Him is a, is a fact that we can count upon the, on, on the idea that He is going to fulfill the rest of them. If half the, the prophecies given in the Old Testament have already been fulfilled, then we can count upon the fact that the rest of them will also be fulfilled. You see, God raises up and casts down empires according to His will and His purpose. The prophet Daniel revealed a sequence of four world kingdoms that, follow, that is followed by a fifth that arises out of the fourth. The fifth kingdom is called the beast kingdom or, or empire in the book of Revelations. Since Daniel predicted the rise and the fall of Babylon, he also prophesied of the other kingdoms that would appear on the canvas of time. The first was Babylon. After that was Media and Persia. After that was the Greco-Macedonia uh, Empire. And after that was Rome. There, <coughs> excuse me. There is one more empire to arise, which is the beast kingdom. In Daniel's dream about the the uh, statue, there was the, the, the head of gold and the chest of silver. And then there was the, 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 the legs of iron and, and the feet of iron and clay mixed. All, of, all four of those kingdoms that preceded the last kingdom have already come to pass. They say that the, the last kingdom is in the process of being formed now. The ten European, world, uh, ten European nation uh, is being formed as, as we speak. There's, there's more than ten right now, but we don't know what will cause that, the, the, la, the uh, others to, to fall out to where there's only ten. It says in, in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except that there be a falling away first, that the, son, uh, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. You see, there's, there's some, some clues that God gives that says that He is going to return. But the, the, that that last kingdom will not return until the church is taken out of the way. The key to know the end times is to watch the things that are happening to Israel. Right now, Israel is in a, um, what do you call it, peace talks with the, uh, with the Palestinians. And there are very few countries that hold out any, how can I say this, uh, respect or um, desire to recognize Israel as a nation. The very people that Israel is, is trying to have a peace negotiations with, the, the Palestinians, have vowed never to recognize Israel as a nation. So you, you've got a government here in America that is anti-Israeli. We have a government right now that is pro-Muslim. You have Israel surrounded by pro-Muslim countries. God is saying, watch Israel, for it is the time, it is the time clock that, that will tell us or tell you when Christ is on, on the verge of coming back. Israel is, is, is the, the key to all things. When did the time clock begin? 
It began with Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse the, the him that curseth thee. And in thee all the shall, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You see, God promised the righteous seed to come out of the, of the children of Israel. That righteous seed that one day would walk upon the earth and, 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 and bring the message of love, to bring the message of salvation, to bring the message of God's compassion upon the earth. God said, through you, Abraham, I will bless all other nations. Through you, Abraham, if you will walk faithful to me, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee. And we see many, many times how that has come to pass throughout history. From Abraham to the formation of a nation under the leadership of Moses, Israel grows to its greatest moments of glory under King David and King Solomon. Then Israel languished under the tyranny of different kings who caused, them, who caused the Jews to, to, to whore after other false gods and idols until they came to the point of captivity by other foreign countries. And they made them to serve Him. Then, this, now when the fullness of time came, the Lord sent a long-awaited Messiah to deliver the children of Israel from the religious darkness that was, but was rejected by His own people. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. We think about it. I, I, I can remember when I first got into church, I, could, I can remember I would read through the Bible. And, and you'd get into the Old Testament, and, and, and you see all the great things that God has done, and, and you say to yourself, how could they do that? How could they leave God and, and, and go after these other things that that really didn't amount to much, that left them in, in a place of bondage. How could the children of Israel do that? Well, time has passed, and, and now I can say to you, how do we do it? How do we do the things that we do and ignore God and go out and do the things that we do even when God blesses, even when God shows compassion, even when God shows mercy? We still do it. You see, not all who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will make it into heaven. We have these clues. We have these things that God has shown us in the Scriptures that we can rely upon that give a direction and when Christ is going to come back. He doesn't do that so that you can do a last-minute confession. He does it so that you will not be asleep at the wheel if the, if, if the man knew when the thief was going to enter into his house, he would have been prepared. But since the, the man was not aware, the thief came in and robbed his house. How many times have we, we thought that we, will, we, we, can, we can make it right, and yet we, we never do? Seventy years after the birth of Christ, the Roman Empire conquered Jerusalem in A.D. 70. And Israel ceased to, 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 be, to exist as a nation in A.D. 135. After the fall of Jerusalem, the Jews wandered throughout the earth because of their rebellious hearts and suffered an astonishing amount of persecution from all nations and all peoples. You see, the Jews were never assimilated into these countries. 
They're still not assimilated today. Jews, whether they're in Russia, whether they're in uh, Europe, whether they're in Scandinavia, whether they're even in America, are not really assimilated into society. They work around you. They, 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 they have their lives, but they're really not taken in and become an American people. You look at the gypsies of Europe. They've tried to be assimilated into, into societies and, and have been for the most part, but um, there's still some of those who are, who are not accepted. And the Bible says that you who are called by my name shall not be accepted. I, I, you know, I don't know why it is that we think that because we are Christian, because we are children of God, we shouldn't suffer persecutions. I, I, I don't know why we think that, that we as Christians should not suffer trials and tribulations. Jesus did. The apostles did. Why are, why are we any different? Why do people in the world think that when you become a Christian, everything's rosy? That you should walk around with a broad smile upon your face and every day is sunny. That there, there, nothing wrong happens in your life. I, I don't know why that is. I have a lot of bad days. But you know what? I also know how not to show those bad days. Now God promised Israel that if they forsook His law, that He forsake them. In Deuteronomy 28 and 64 and 65 it says, And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from one end of the world, earth unto the other, and there shall, thou shalt serve the other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations thou shalt not find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy feet, foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee a trembling heart and failing eyes and a sorrow of mind. When we don't serve God, we tend to have a lot of fears in life. When we don't serve God, we, we tend to have a lot of worries in life. Where do you turn to in the world when, when you don't have a relationship with the Lord? Where, who do you turn to? Your buddy? He doesn't have answers. Now, God was merciful to His people. And in Deuteronomy 30 and 3, Then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath to scatter thee. Scattered thee. So for 1900 years, the Jews hid among other nations of the world. Then God starts to prepare the world for the coming of the, of the, of the nation of Israel. 1900 years, the annihilation of a nation was scattered throughout all the world. There is no other country in the world that has experienced such a, 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 a devastating effect and has come back to, to, to be reestablished as a nation. No other country has, ex has experienced where all its inhabitants were totally let, were, were totally taken out of that country and moved to other countries and been brought back after 1900 years. It is said in A.D. 90, or excuse me, in A.D. 70, that um, when, when the Romans came in to, to Jerusalem and conquered it, they took every single Jew in that country and they took them 
to, a, to another country. They, they took them to another place. It, it was the custom, and, and Daniel, the book of Daniel, shows us it was the custom of foreign uh, countries that they would take these people into their nations and assimilate them into those countries and allow them to use their, to their, their trades and their, their occupations to help that, that foreign country to grow. And in 1900 years, the Jews never had a nation. But to bring things into perspective, 31 years after the end of the Civil War, there was a man by the name of Theodore Herzl. In 1860 or 1896, he wrote a pamphlet called The Jewish State. And he talked about this Jewish state as if it existed. And the world hears the bones of Ezekiel 37.4. And he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto, these, say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. The amazing thing was that in, 19, or in 1897, 17 years after, before World War I, the first Zionist Congress was called together by Mr. Herzl and they formulated a plan on how to establish the Jewish nation. We, 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 we look at the time, the, the time clock in the Bible and sometimes we, we, we don't have a, a place of orientation. And, and the reason why I mention these dates is because it, it helps to bring things into focus of where we are in the time clock of, of, of God. It's, it's not that we have all kinds of time. We are at that midnight hour. In 1948, I found this so, so interesting. In May of 1948, Israel was once again established by the hand of God as a Jewish nation. Ezekiel 37.5 said this, This saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Now in Leviticus 25.10 it says, And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. The thing that I found interesting was in 1897, the first Jewish Congress was held, but there was no Jewish nation. So from that point on, 50 years later, in 1948, the nation of Israel was born. The year of Jubilee, the year when everything was supposed to be returned to the, to the original owners. Israel took back his land. Israel took back their possessions. Israel took back what belonged to them. And they became a nation. They became a place where, where Jews could go and find a home. They became a place where people could come and, 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 and call this place mine. For 1,900 years, there was no place to go. But in 1948, the Jewish clock said it's time. It's still ticking today. What does the midnight hour look like? Man. What does the midnight hour look like to somebody who is looking, who is searching, who is watching? Luke 17, 26 and 27 says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son, in a, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They shall eat, drink, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. We live in a day and an age and a time like no other time in the history of man. 
We are so preoccupied by our, our, our pleasures. We are so preoccupied by the things that we want to do day in and day out that we don't have the time to spend in prayer. We don't have the time to spend in time doing things for God. We don't take the time to search out the Word of God. There is another time in the history of man where the moral boundaries of life have been so violated. No other time in the history of man has, has, has the moral decay of a country and, a, and of a world been at such a, a, a lowly point that it deserves the judgment. I'm reminded of Sodom and Gomorrah that said, the wickedness has come up before my, my ears and, and my nostrils and my, my eyes and, and God had to bring judgment. We have far exceeded the things that have happened in Sodom and Gomorrah and yet God still holds back His judgment. But I'm telling you that we are at a day and an hour that no man knoweth that God is right here on the time and on the place where He can come back at any time. It is only by His grace and the idea that He wants to see one more person saved, the idea that He wants to see one more person make it into the kingdom of heaven is the only thing that holds Him back. Judgment is deserving of us. We deserve the judgments of God because of our wickedness and our evil. We live in a country that, that, that because a, a, a builder wants to build a mall, he can come in and take your property. You may have slaved 20 years to pay off that property, but they come in and because of an eminent domain, they can come in and take what you want. They can look at anything you have and take it. That's why we shouldn't put our trust in the things of this world. The worse the world has become worse and worse in the deprivations of sin. But God sent but since God has promised that there will be a harvest of first fruits at the end of this age, for all who obtain a part in the first resurrection shall have rule and reign with the with as kings and priests for a thousand years. Revelation 26 says, Blessed and holy is he that hath a part in the first resurrection. Of such the second death hath no power, but they that shall be pre but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. What will the world look like before this happens? Matthew twenty four, five through eight says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And she, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and you shall see and, and, and see that ye be not troubled, for thee all these must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For kingdom shall rise up against kingdom, and nation excuse me, nation, nation shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these things are the beginning of the sorrows. We have the war in the Middle East. We have the Palestinian conflict. I was on the net last night, and, and there, there was, there's a new terrorist group that has, has popped up in, in Greece that they want to promote anarchy and, and the annihilation of the Grecian government. We have the Afghan war. We have the Iraq war. We have the Kurdish conflict with, uh, with Turkey. We have the war or the... the, the Conflict between Taiwan and China. We have the conflict between South Korea and North Korea. We have all these different conflicts. We, 
We had the Hezbollah military just ready to, to strike a blow against Israel. We had the, the wars and the famines in Somalia and Africa. We had the, the threat of nuclear war between India and Pakistan. We had the threat of nuclear war with Iran. Can these not be signals of the end times? God gives clues. God gives a key to, to knowing when He will return. And we can say, well, we've, we've heard these things all from time and memorial, but, but as time gets closer, you will see more of these things happen. Our world is in a place of conflict. Our world is in a place where, where people are wanting to, to just take over one country after another and, and, and not have no compassions or, or just stay within their own borders. There's anarchy everywhere. But the stability of the church is what holds back the Antichrist. It is the st stability of people who still call upon the name of the Lord. It is the church that still holds back the son of perdition. As long as people are still calling upon the name of the Lord, the Lord is still holding back that one last moment of time. As long as people are still reaching out to be saved, God is not willing that any man should perish but that He calls all men unto a place of repentance. God does not want to see any man destroyed. It's man's choice to be destroyed. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But a man has to work himself into hell. A man has to work himself into a place of condemnation. God gets a free gift. But we're so afraid that there are so many um, strings attached to it that we'd rather go out and do what we want in the world and, and end up in hell. The list goes on and God, on. The, one in two marriages are failing. The average is not much better within, even within the church. We have the destruction of a family on, on a large-scale basis. When my wife and I went to a uh, school conference this week I, for, for, for Andrea... I, I met one of Andrea's teachers and he told my wife and I that we were the abnormal ones. We were one of the abnormal ones because we were a two-parent family. He said most of the people in Owen County are either single parents or are from divorced homes or destroyed homes. But he told my wife and I well, we were the ones that, that were abnormal because there was no because we, were, we decided to, to, to live our lives together as a married couple. I, I know. I know there's a lot of, a lot of abnormal stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to... Uh, never mind. <laughs> anyway, the gay lifestyle is not only held as a normal form of life now, but if you now speak against it in open society, you're the one that's treated as being left out in, 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 in left field. Just this week in California, a federal activist judge said it was illegal or unconstitutional, unconstitutional for the U.S. military to have a don't ask, don't tell policy. We, li we live in a very tremulous time. The list goes on and on of people living together first to see if they are even compatible before they even think about having a long-term relationship in a marriage. And yet these are things out in the world. What will it look like when we get into the church? What will the end times look like 
for people in the church. In 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, through This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bold, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That's in the church. Are we unholy? Do we hate those who, are, who, are, who do good and who live holy? Do we keep our word or are we uh, truce breakers? Do we unjustly accuse our brother or our sisters? One of the uh, accusations that I have heard out in the world that is people in church don't like to smile. What about those who have a form of godliness? Oh, I'm a Christian. Jerk. Or worse. People who claim to be Christians sometimes will have their Christian beer and their Christian cigarette. People who are Christians will sometimes say their Christian words and then cuss. People who are Christians have tried to say that they, they love God and that they'll hate with a hatred of somebody in church. The Scripture says that they are heady. They think more of themselves than they think of others. That they love more things of pleasure than they do of God. This is in the church. Can anybody deny that surely we are at the end times? But what is possible? But what possibly could the Lord be waiting for before He returns for His church? I've come across this answer. I've, I, 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 this is just Brother Davis. So, you know, uh, I think one of the reasons why God is waiting to come back is found in James 5, 7, and 8. It says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he hath received the early and the latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You see, the final acts of history will follow a lot like a wedding ceremony in a Jewish, Jewish wedding. The bridegroom comes from his father's house to claim his bride. In John 14, 2, it says, In my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And, where, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto, you, unto myself, that where I am, you may, be, you may be also. If you go to the book of Proverbs, there's a scripture in there, and I can't remember what chapter it's in, but there's a scripture in there that says that a wise man will prepare his house before he goes to his bride. This is what our Lord has done. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. God is planning a place for each and every one of us. He has a place where we will reside for all of eternity. In the second step of a bridal party, the father, 
the, the, the bride, excuse me, the second party, or the bridal party returns to the Father's house, which is the rapture of the church. Now, the idea of a rapture is rooted in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. They were worried about the state of the righteous dead. And so Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 and 17. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then they which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, the Scripture plainly states that the, Lord, that the, that, that the saints of God will not um, suffer wrath. Now, there are those who believe in a pre-tribulation. There are those who believe in a mid-tribulation. And there are those who believe in a post-revelation or a tribulation. Now, I personally believe in a pre-tribulation because of that Scripture. That I don't believe that we're going to suffer the curses that are coming upon the world. But there are those who believe that the church will go through half of the tribulation period of three and a half years and then God will take them away. And then there are those who believe that after the, 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 the seven years of turmoil or tribulation upon the earth, God will take His church out of the way, but that doesn't make sense with the Scripture. So I am definitely a, a pre-tribulation person. And uh, many Christians experience, will, during this time experience severe testing and trials as never before. The Bible says in Matthew 24 that there will never be a time like this time of tribulation. Never before in the history of man will things be so bad that, that men will wish to die and they can't. That men will cry upon the mountains and say, Fall on me and hide me from the face of the Lord. But it will not happen. Peter warned of such things, of how that we, will, we should live when the, the day of the Lord approaching, which is found in 2 Peter 3, 10-14. The wedding feast for seven days during which the bride is veiled. This is the seven-year period that the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation will take place as found in Revelations 4-9. through 9. This time of, uh, of tribulation will be a time when God will pour out 21 plagues upon the earth. 21 times God will come down and bring judgment upon the earth. God, let, let me back up. We have rejected God for so long. During this time of tribulation, God will reject us. There is a time in, in uh, <coughs> excuse me, in, in uh, I believe it's Romans 9 that talks about the end of the period of the Gentiles, which is the time of the rapture of the church when God takes His church out of here. That God will turn His full attention upon the children of Israel. And uh, these, these 21 curses will come in the, in the form of seven different curses in each time. There are the seven seal judgments found in Revelations 5 and 6. There are the seven trumpet curses found in Revelations 8. And then there are the seven bowls or vials of judgment found in Revelation 16. 21 curses that God is going to bring, and each one will be exceedingly worse than the last. And do you think that men will call upon the name of the Lord? Do you think that men will be able to, 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 to be able to sustain themselves under such a barrage of anger from God? Do you want to wait and take a chance 
to die. They, they, some say, well, I'll die as a martyr during the time of tribulation so that I, I will still be saved. But if you're not serving God now, how are you, how are you going to do it during the time when it's, when it's extremely hard? When God is casting sores upon your body, when God is casting blood upon the, on, on the lands and, and the waters dry up from the, from the world and, and, and what water is there is turned to blood. God will strike them with sores and, and start, start, the sun will become hotter and, and boils will come upon the flesh. God will send... What is it? The, um, the, 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 the locusts that will devour the food of the earth. The Lord has reserved all the judgments and all the plagues of Daniel's 70 weeks for those who will miss the rapture, for those who have rejected this gospel message. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, the Scripture says that all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. For those who think that I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to experience those things. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and every single thing that you do, if it's not covered under the blood, will be judged by God, and you will be cast into that outer darkness where there's a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Now, all who attain unto the first resurrection shall, inter, uh, shall inherit eternal life by God's grace and mercy. However, the saints' work will be judged through the fire of purification, of whether it be good or bad. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 14, it says this, If any man's work shall abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. You see, those who... Who, and I was explaining this to my daughter, those who, who do not have good motives when they do things, and like the young man who opens the door for a person, not because he was wanting to be good, but because maybe his girlfriend was watching him. His motive was not pure. And so his work will be judged, and it will not make it through the fire of, of, of purification. Then there are those who do things just just because uh, their, their motives are pure, like the, like the child who plays in a road and, and, and he, he's unaware of the danger of a car approaching. And a man sees that danger and he runs out and grabs that child out of the way. His motive is pure. He, he, he seeks no reward for that. And, and so his motives are judged. It, it, it's, it, it's that type of thing that God will judge whether, whether when you reached out to that man or that woman about the salvation message... Was there, was there a motive behind it? Did you want to see him saved because he's a doctor and he can bring a lot of money into the church? Or did you want to see him saved because his soul stood in judgment? What is the motive? God looks at the motive of the heart. He's always looked at the motive of the heart. Then the fourth step of a Jewish wedding is the presentation of the bride to the wedding party. Immediately following the battle of Armageddon, Jesus will begin to rule all nations from His throne in Jerusalem. This rule over all nations will last a thousand years 
which prompts the term, the millennial reign. Satan is then brought to judgment and is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone with a beast and a false prophet. In Revelations 20.10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and many shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. At the end of all the plagues and judgments after the battle of Armageddon, after the thousand-year reign and after the final judgments of Satan, there will be one more judgment called the White Throne Judgment and the Book of Life shall be opened. And whosoever is not found written in that Book of Life will be held in judgment forever and cast into the lake of fire. Romans, or Revelations 20.15 And whosoever was not found written in the Book of Life was cast into the lake of fire. This... Uh, this lesson was a little difficult for me, but I've tried to, to bring a chronology of time, to bring a chronology of, of understanding to the fact that Jesus is at the door. We are at the last days. We can, we can say, I have time. We can say that I, I, I'm going to make it. When, when I'm, I'm good and ready. I'm, I'm going I'm to serve God when I'm good and ready. But I promise you, one day the trumpet will sound if, if the music will come. Oh, are they coming up? Okay. I didn't know how they were going to do that. But, but God, is, God is coming back. The whole thing we can count on is that God promised that He is coming back. And if He fulfilled all those other prophecies in the Scriptures, we can count on the fact that He will fulfill the rest of them. God bless you this morning.